What up, what up, what up? We live. Renegade Culture, live and direct. That's right. Act like you know. Go tell somebody. Renegade Culture Podcast. True, on. True. Episode 79 up in this motherfucker. Yeah. Act like you don't know. Boom. You boom. know what I mean? I, I, I've been here and I've been checking the emails and everything. A lot of folks was, you know, they loving the it? podcast. You know what I'm saying? We had a couple haters on it. You know what I'm saying? And, Ooh, what? Yeah, one cat telling me that he ain't like what I was saying about Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. Fuck, fuck you, Kamala Harris <laughs> and Joe Biden, Biden. <laughs> Trump, and whoever the fuck else. Now, take that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You can't tell us what the fuck to talk about. Tell me what talk about my As shirt. you can see from our shirts, we're renegade culture. Yes. You know what uh, I'm saying? This motherfucker, he saw my shirt, so he wanted to wear the, the same goddamn color because he figured it, Kalani's a bad motherfucking man. So I might want to be like him when I grow up. Now, you know, the real story is that his, he had to dig through his laundry. He couldn't figure out nothing. <laughs> and he's like, yo, let me put this green shirt on. I haven't worn this in a day and a half. Let me throw this on. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? With all the wrinkles. But anyway, yeah. this is Kamal K. Like Franklin. That. Okay. No, fuck you, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Kamal K. Franklin. The black bastard. Nope. Anyway, this is Kalani Jamachanga right here, a.k.a. the riot starter. When I'm not fucking around these renegade coaching cats. What you doing? I'm trying to get this nigga a new hat. Oh, bam. And I go by the name of the Ed Doctor, DJ producer. We in here, playback sounds. Let's get it. That's oh, right. Damn, so no. check it. That, that, that was like our, 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 our intro to the folks who don't, they ain't knowing. I know some of y'all, when you listen to the show, y'all like, man, these dudes will be serious. And oh, we cracking jokes and uh, Uber, 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 and all that. Get the fuck out of here. You oh, know damn, what I'm saying? No. We bought that life. You know yeah. what I mean? You know that community work. You know the track record. You know what I mean? So we don't give a fuck about all that. Yeah. You know what I mean? But sometimes. You gotta not make light of things, but you gotta live because of the fact that you'll be uh, forever running from the fucking state mm -hmm. or chasing the, against these capitalist aspirations yeah. and dreams. Mm -hmm. So anyway, and there's so much going on. So we are going to we are actually going to take more of a serious turn. Yeah. So sometimes you got to get that out because yeah. there's been so much happening this week, last week, and we want to cover. Uh, I think the biggest uh, uh, story in the news today is brother Jacob Blake, who was shot seven times in the back by the police in Wisconsin. Right. Um, he went through surgery, apparently he is alive, but the fallout from that has been great. There's been protests, demonstrations, shit been burnt down as it should be. Yes. Um, and then more recently, uh, this white supremacist Kyle Rittenhouse, uh, Rittenhouse of this white militia just uh, uh, shot three protesters, two have died. And again, the ramifications have been great. Uh, it's made national news headlines. And we've even had sports stars, everything from tennis stars to the NBA to the uh, Major League Baseball, the soccer, soccer League. Soccer. Yeah, yeah, folks yeah, going on a uh, protest, a strike, a boycott. About five minutes straight. That's true, though. <laughs> <laughs> it went hard for five minutes. Them yeah. motherfuckers right there, boy. They, they was like Kamal. Oh, <laughs> why I got to be like that, though? Man, man. Anyway. Oh! Coming, coming back. We're going to be talking to awesome man, uh, uh, Victorious DaCosta. Yeah, remember his name, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> it's my man, Victorious DaCosta, who is a, a film uh, maker, a producer, a director. Um, he actually has a film out on HBO right now mm -hmm. called Yousef Hawkins, Storm Over Brooklyn. Many of the listeners, you know what I'm saying, particularly those who are from the tri-state area, you remember Yousef Hawkins. Yeah. Uh, Yousef Hawkins was... Um, the, the, the Sean Bell before Sean Bell. Mm -hmm. He was the Trayvon Martin before Trayvon Martin. In fact, his story was probably closer to Trayvon Martin. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because you had these racist-ass young crackers running through the neighborhood trying to trying to get busy. But anyway, we're going to be back at you in a few tickets. You know, we got well, wait a minute, though, before we do that. We got a, we got oh, a performer today. That's right. right. Who we got on? We got my people's reality. Okay. He's coming through with some music, going to drop some music. He also is a producer, okay. a writer, director, okay. Okay. and he also has a business endeavor that people need to know about. So he came uh, through the blessings. Okay, okay. He, right. he must be paying uh, oh, yeah, something. Right. something. He named everything. He also in the third grade. Hey, he, he, he brought some. He brought some samples through. <laughs> he brought some. That's <laughs> my man. I always knew I liked reality. A lot of information. Fuck <laughs> what you heard. You know what I'm it's all keep, real with reality. Trying to keep my bar license. So yeah, we're gonna be right back with Renegade Culture. We're gonna spill it all on that. No doubt. Blackout. Power 
What's happening? Renegade coaches in the building. Yo, we back, we back, 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 yeah. and we black, black, black. black. You know what I'm okay. saying? Okay. And you know you can catch Renegade Culture at renegadeculture.org. That's mm -hmm. right. SoundCloud, right? SoundCloud. Where else can you catch us? Apple. Mm -hmm. You can catch it on um uh not Pandora because they fronting. Oh, Spotify. Uh huh. Uh -huh. Um, who else we got? YouTube. Watch YouTube? the Watch Playback TV on YouTube. Watch you Playback the TV. The live version. Yeah. Okay. You get my. You get this whole good green color. You get that faded out green that it's got on. You know what I'm saying? Something <laughs> Listen, to say. This man's colorblind. Don't, but anyway, right. um, getting down to the business. Let's get some serious shit now. Yeah. Yes, America is the same old racist cesspool that's always been. You know what I mean? Um, it's a whole lot going on, like we talked about. Um, I think we want to start off with the brother Jacob Blake because yeah. I understand that he's a young man who uh, was actually trying to do a good deed That's by right. stopping two women from fighting, mm -hmm. and he ends up getting shot in the back what seven times. Yeah. So in the front story. Of his children. Yeah, the story goes that he was dropping off a present at a friend's house, okay. and he had his three kids in the back of the car. And when he got his car, he dropped the present off. He saw these folks getting into it. Um, he tried to break it up. The cops came on the scene, and the cops immediately started harassing him. Is and he, he went to, to his car to check on his kids, mm -hmm. and you can see in the video, there's a short videotape of it. He goes to check on his kids, and the cop follows him, close range, guns pulled. His door's open, he's unarmed, and it's, that's obvious. And the gun pulls, and boom, 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 boom. Seven shots, point blank, to his back. He is lucky to be alive. His family has said, you know, he's undergoing surgery. Uh, right now, it seems like he won't be able to walk again. That's the latest update that we have. Um, but again, like you were saying, this is life in America. It can right. happen at any time. Now, the ill shit about it, too, I just saw a piece about his father. His father saying that here his son is um, possibly paralyzed from the waist down, and these motherfuckers have him handcuffed in the hospital. He's still handcuffed to yeah. the bed. You know what I mean? The crime of being shot by police mm -hmm. in front of your kids. So maybe they're gonna charge him with, they're gonna be like, how dare you come out here being a father to your children mm -hmm. and trying to be a good Samaritan mm -hmm. and trying to drop off a gift to somebody. Who in the fuck you think you are? What type of nigga are you supposed to be? Yeah, you that deserves seven, seven shots to the back. Yeah, and then the other thing is that the cops just today, as, you know, as, as we're recording this, release their first version of the event which has hosed uh, left and left and right. They've had three days since when the incident original, uh, originally took place with, um, right. to come out with a story, and their story still has holes in it. It still uh, doesn't discuss what made them approach and stop him in the first place. Right. So it's obvious that these cops were looking. As always, they got called to the scene. They're looking to blame somebody. There's a black man on the scene, and so he gets, he gets, the, he gets shot. Right? Yeah. And so, they, they might have got a call saying there's two black women fighting, and they saw him like, Black. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's how it happened. Here's the suspect right here. Yeah. Um, so we, you know, we wish uh, the brother Jacob Blake, you know, a speedy recovery. Uh, we wish his children a speedy recovery because of the fact that what these bastards don't understand and, and really they don't give a fuck mm -hmm. is that you traumatize our youth. The one thing I didn't have to teach my kids to say fuck the police because of the fact the children saw um, police harassing me firsthand. Mm -hmm. They saw him harass me when I wasn't doing shit. And I didn't have to explain it to him. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So my daughter, who's six years old, she'll say F the police mm -hmm. in a minute. Mm -hmm. and, and it's like, and, and I think I said it before, like some people like, well, you know, I, you would allow your child to say that. She don't say fuck. She says F the police, <laughs> number one. And if she did say fuck yeah. the police, I can't really say that I'd be upset with yeah. it because of the fact that that's my sentiments, yeah. and I don't want to lie to my children. You motherfuckers can tell your children about Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. You can tell them about the motherfucking Tooth Fairy. But when it comes to the reality of America, white America in particular, you want to skate around that shit and act like it's something else. Yeah. So fuck the police that shot Jacob Blake and all the other pigs that was there yeah. and did nothing about it. And then what happened afterwards, the immediate aftermath, was that, and, and this to me this is fantastic, is that this is the new era we're in, folks again decided to take to the streets mm -hmm. and make the system pay a price. The yes. act to literally bang on the system. Right. Uh, so they burnt down, uh, I, I believe it was a courthouse. The correctional, correctional facility. The correctional facility. Correction. And somebody wrote on there actually, are you listening to us yet? Kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. So for, for days, several days and nights, folks were out in the street um, uh, banging, banging on the system, banging, saying like, look, this is not going to go unanswered. And the police were out. Uh, and then white militias also decided to show up to protect the property, to protect the property. <laughs> and one white militia person in particular, his name is Kyle Rittenhouse, a 17 year old 
who idolizes the police on his mm. Facebook page. He has Blue Lives Matter. This little bitch. This little video of him giving water to the police uh, a few minutes before he actually engaged in a shooting of three protesters, two died, two fatally shot. There's, there's uh, images of uh, him being, uh, and, and there's a curfew. He's out past curfew. The police are not telling him that he has to go yeah. in his house. So basically, this militia person has been deputized, right. right, to be out there on the street, as you said, protecting property and shooting at people without any any interference whatsoever by the police, because basically he is the police as far as they're concerned. Because it's the American way. You can you have that type of gun at 17? I mean, first of all, he's not even, uh, to my understanding, he's from Illinois. Yeah. Well, also, to like, he was, he's one year younger than what the open carry law yeah. allows for the state of Wisconsin. Right. So even there, there's a reason for them to have, and he looks like he's 12. Yeah. So there's a reason for the police to, even on that spot, check an ID, find out how old he is, be able to tell him. There's several factors that, that could have led the police to do something different. But again, what it comes down to is, White militia equals white police. Right. Well, you know, I, I pray for, uh, what's his name, Rittenhauer? Yeah. I pray for Rittenhauer. Rittenhouse. Uh, Rittenhouse, whatever the fuck your name is. <laughs> I pray that uh, uh, somebody pray on your ass. I pray that, uh, that, 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 that your life is hell. I pray that, that uh, all those you love suffer. And I pray that, that when you get to prison, the, 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 uh, the most loving men that you can find, <laughs> find it in their heart. Soul and they, they got their pants to come see you four times a day if possible. You if he goes saying? to prison, because yeah. his defense is going to be self-defense. So again, similar to Trayvon Martin. Self-defense. Yeah, he, he was defending the, himself from these. The uh, claim is that he was like he was he was on, being son. harassed, and then that's that's what he's going to use. And again, the police are going to be on his side. Now, one of these, yeah. one of, now the protesters, to my understanding, these are white boys that got yeah yeah they got popped. Killed, yeah. Right? So it's three of them. Now, one of them tried to play a hero and tried to save, you know, the rest of the crowd or whatever. Now, here's my position because of the fact that I know some of you, oh, don't worry about these white. Listen, man, the reality is this right here. These white militias are gearing up. These uh, uh, police, most of them are white militias. You understand what I'm saying? It's, it's just like I was telling these folks the other day because this uh, sister was asking about you know, were you all banging on uh, on Trump, the same old mm -hmm, two-step? Mm -hmm. You ain't saying nothing about Biden and what's this other hey, clown? Kamala Harris. Kamala. And I, I basically told her that, you know, when you know it's a cop with a uniform, I don't have to keep telling you that's a cop with a uniform. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You worried about the motherfucker that, that's the undercover. Yeah. And Biden and these motherfuckers are undercover. And that's what the, the militias are. A lot of these militias are undercover police or in uniform at certain mm -hmm. times. So we have to be careful. So, um, like I said, Fuck Rittenhouse, Rittenhauer, mm. whatever. You know what I'm saying? Um, he'll be choke off that water, drown. Fuck <laughs> him, Zimmerman, all these motherfuckers. Yeah. We, we are sick and tired, as Fannie Lou Hamer said, of being sick and tired. And you motherfuckers are killing us, and, and, and we're sitting back still talking about, I, we got to move past burning the property yeah. down. I'm just going to yeah. say that, and I'm going to leave yeah. that fuck alone. And, I, I mean, and lastly, on the protesters, I agree. I mean, I don't care who they are. They're out there protesting. Yeah. They're out there saying that, uh, you know, in the, in the most commonest of ways, Black Lives Matter. But they might be out there saying more than that, that right. they were, they're willing to pay a price to say that this system is evil, this capitalist structure needs to come down, white supremacy needs to come down. That's right. And these folks are allies. So, yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, I think this, this, this cat who got killed, these no, folks who got I, killed, I, I shot, and they're he's, allies he's, in the struggle. Yeah, so. Now, speaking of people who should be allies in the struggle, yeah, but have turned out thing. not to necessarily be able to follow through on yeah. a promise, we talked about a little bit earlier in the intro, we had the NBA players um, led by LeBron, LeBron James come out and say that they were boycotting and or striking for the mm -hmm. rest of the playoffs, and that the playoffs were now going to be over. You had now wait, young, did the Bucks go first or what? Was the it? Bucks, yeah, the Bucks went first. Mm -hmm. They decided to they decided to sit, um, they basically to sit out a playoff game. Right. And then that moved faster and moved past that, where basically two NBA teams, I think the the Clippers and the Lakers, mm -hmm. decided that they want to basically strike and not participate anymore in the playoffs. And then that led to the rest of the NBA association at some point deciding that these playoffs were done. It was great. I mean, Doc Rivers came and gave a speech, had everybody feeling good. Then we seen uh, Kenny Smith walk, walk off, off the set. Like, listen, I'm with the players. We going. I was like, yeah, everybody yeah. going. They, 
They doing this. This is the boycott. We shutting it down. And then right. what happened? It was a it was a Nick Cannon moment. <laughs> the masters were like, look, if you don't get your black ass, up, you know how many niggas dribble balls around here? <laughs> we you know how many niggas can got there and play goddamn sports? You think we can't replace your black mm-hmm. ass? You think there's no other LeBrons out there right now? And who we they cut your damn check? And who they bring in? They brought in Jordan. They brought Jordan crying ass yeah. back again. He's like <laughs> singing that same old song. I keep forgetting. Not in love anymore. His goofy ass. Somebody yeah. need to smack the goddamn. Black off the back, his ball ass head. Jordan, the only majority leader. And stick him up for his sneakers. The only majority owner in the NBA apparently went back and forth with the players and the owners saying, basically, you know, let them sit these games out, and then let's try to get them back in for the rest of the playoffs. And the strategy worked. All so he the did players, the Jesse Jackson. He did. All the players back, back down. It was like, oh, Jordan, you're so wise. And you're he, so he, wonderful. He got a check. You can yeah. guarantee that his ass got a check. If he charging goddamn $1,000 for some goddamn sneakers, you know, motherfucker, well, he's getting a check off going there to go talk yeah. to these motherfuckers. What made me so mad is that right before I'm on Facebook yeah, I saw shouting you. out. Shout yeah. out I, I'm, I'm shout, like, I'm, I'm shouting I'm out like, these I'm players. I'm like, look at the air doctor number two. <laughs> <laughs> I don't say shit. I, cause I know I'm these shouting out these players being like, know, this, is, this is dramatic. This is Listen, wonderful. I saw this is, y'all. This is a scene. You know, even, even Ali didn't do this. I, I saw like, you say that shit. And it was true. Ali, Ali never, Ali didn't walk away. Like they, they took it away from him because he refused to stand for the draft, right? So he boycotted the, he boycotted the U.S. Army. He didn't want to go to war. But if there wasn't a draft, you know, it, yeah. it wasn't like Ali said, I'm not, I'm not going to box anymore because of the war. Now, yeah. maybe he would have. We don't yeah. know. But yeah. he did. And so for a split second there, it felt like we was witnessing something that was unique in terms of uh, uh, sort of America cultural moment as, as it comes down to sports. Yeah. But then the players, they, they shuffled back in the, in the house and said, mm-hmm. like, we'll, we'll shoot these hoops. Back. That shit was like the Olympics. What was that, 68, 67? Uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. They throwing the fist up, and then, then nobody knew what the fist meant after them joint left. <laughs> I didn't even know I had a fist. Who put this up there? <laughs> but anyway, um, it's, it's ironic that the name of the team that, that bucked first is the Bucks, because in the plantation, the Buck <laughs> was, the, was, was the, 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 the one who was the breaker. He was the one getting the women pregnant, and they were raping, and so on and so forth. So I'm glad that the Bucks bucked for a few minutes, but that shit didn't last long. The moral of the story, don't get your goddamn hopes up high. When these Negroes start popping that shit, they get the, and, and you see them with that Nick Cannon shit, they don't mm-hmm. care. Fuck that, we get the first black, such and such, blah, say blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the motherfucking Jews call his ass in the goddamn room, slap like, the look, head. It's like, look here, man. Yeah, like, put this, this on your history. head, read yeah. this Torah, shut the fuck up, and nah. this is what we talking about. What I said, I said quickly was like, you know what, you can't count on rich folks to do nothing for you. You got to rely on the working class and the proletariat because those rich folks ain't committing class suicide. Yeah, I saw all your white friends commenting on that. Too, oh, they like that, though. That was yeah, kind of good. I had a bomb on one of them. He's like, oh, no, I am your friend. Oh, like, fuck you. I don't even fucking you know talk you. about my people. Like, fuck Hell, smile. renegade coach, you're going to be right back. Black at it. <laughs> the renegade coaches in the building yeah we back on the air yeah with a special guest yes a special guest um this brother right here been known for quite a while in fact if i'm not mistaken this year we've known each other for about 14 years damn we met during black august in richmond he looks absolutely natural he's like i don't know who the fuck is that you right no nope 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 more than that maybe before that we met we met in 05 um in, in atlanta actually yeah i already ah. knew you I already knew you uh, in Richmond. Okay, in okay. Oh, you already knew me. Okay, right. yeah. my bad. Well, it, it didn't stick though. It, it, you know, it didn't it don't stick. stick. <laughs> huh? We, we had met. We, we had met at a library though. Okay. We at a okay. library in, in Atlanta. I forget for what, uh, what for. Okay. Uh, but yeah. Cer- yeah. Certainly, Kalaji wasn't there to read a book, so I know that wasn't why he was in the library. I was, I was there trying to go to the law library to, to back up some of these cases he was fucking up. <laughs> anyway, well, um, we don't want to. We don't want to help them out. We don't want necessarily want to let them know exactly when when we met. That's gonna go in the dossier right there. So you know. Hey man, you know what I'm saying? I was we trying met. to throw it off. No, it's we, all we good. But either way, right, right, um, right, right. True. We, we've done a lot together. This mm-hmm. brother right here, uh, straight out of Brooklyn. You know, always putting mm-hmm. in work. He's been putting in work. Uh, when I first met him, he was dealing with more artist management, if I'm not mistaken. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, the group A likes RBG, right, right. Yeah. Yes, yes. So the whole RBG fam, then uh, he moved on to the whole film piece. 
Um, I know that uh, the first film was, what was it, Love? I can't think of the name of that. Um, well, I did a joint called uh, Dirty Hearts. Okay. It's a short film. Then I did one called um, Can't Wear Wake Forever. And then uh, then Love Seat. And then okay. I did another joint with, um, with Divine RBG called uh, La Brega, which you know, loosely means uh, the struggle. You know what I mean? Mm. And uh, yeah, so those are all my short films that I, that I did. Word. And then you moved on to the Weldon Urban people. What was the name of the... Uh... The correct title? Digging for Walden Irvine. Digging for Walden Irvine. And, and that, I appreciate you coming out. Yes, yes. That, that was definitely a heavy, heavy piece. And I think that uh, many folks should uh, check it out. You won a number of awards on that piece. You know, that was, that was definitely on point. Anyway, my man, Victoria. About five, about five awards, yeah. Five? There you go. About well, five, it, yeah. It's still going. Don't even trip on it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but uh, my man, Victorious DaCosta. Um, yeah. Serious dude on, the, on this whole film piece. He has a powerful film out right now. Um, many of us who come from the whole tri-state area back in 1989. Uh, matter of fact, was it August of 89 or July? August 23rd. August 23rd. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. There was a young man who was murdered. He was from East New York, Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And he ended up taking a trip to Bensonhurst, uh, him and a friend. And they were going to look at a car, I believe. And uh, some white folks decided that you know, they weren't going to have them in the neighborhood. And, you know, my man ends up getting shot. 16-year-old Yusef Hawkins. Mm-hmm. Yusef Hawkins would have been 47 years old today mm-hmm. had he lived. 16 years. So, um, Victorious is here to talk to us about this film, man. And it's, it's timely. Yeah. But not only is it timely, it's important because of the fact that this is a situation that during that time period, you weren't a, a, a respected hip-hop artist if you didn't say Yusef Hawkins' name. You know what I'm saying? Because right. that was that was the rallying cry. Long before the right. Sean Bells, long before the Abner Vuimas, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the um, Captain Johnstons, yeah, and so, yeah. and so forth. This was a case that was serious. And we were saying before we came on the air that that particular case was probably closer to a Trayvon Martin-type case. Yeah. It had New York True on indeed. fire. And, yeah. it, and, just, and just before, we, we actually to talk about it a little bit. So uh, for folks to know, this uh, documentary is currently on HBO. So for folks to go check out, um, I've seen it. It's fantastic. It's thrilling. It tells the story um, that really uh, involves like even the, the larger city climate of what happened around Yusuf Hawkins' assassination, basically, not just a killing, but an assassination. And the fact Indeed. that, you know, uh, folks don't usually understand this connection. But the only reason we had the first black mayor ever was based on Yusuf Hawkins actually being killed. You're talking and, New York. Talking about in New York. Yeah, right. New York Mayor Dinkins, yes. uh, who got right. elected. So just to start off, we understand that you're a producer on the film. What made you, you know, get involved and want to do uh, this film about Yusuf and his life? Well, you know, one thing before I answer that question, yeah. you, know, you had talked about the, the climate in the city. Also, I want to say that the, the film talks about the de facto segregation in the city as well. And we hold the, uh, the city of New York culpable for what happened to Yusef Hawkins because you couldn't have all that if it wasn't segregated. But yeah, man, so I was doing Digging for Water in Irvine. This was like January 2016. And I got a I got an email through my Water in Irvine site and it was like a one-line email from somebody named Charles. And it said, I was told to reach out to you in regards to a film. That was it. So, you know, I keep the rail, so I hit him up. I mean, it was, it was a straight cold email, hit him up. Said he was Yusef's friend uh, from back in the day when Yusef lived in Flatbush. You know, I'm from Flatbush, and um, a mutual person connected us. <clears throat> and uh, I knew that, I me, mean, you know, I knew that it was a chance of a lifetime to help tell this story. But I was working on digging for Walden Irvine, so I couldn't do, you know, I couldn't direct both. But also, I knew that a story that large, it couldn't be my first feature film. So, you know, I, I stepped back from directing it. And I told him that that I would uh, help him manifest it. So um, I recruited Muta Ali, who is the director, and he brought on his producing partner, Javon Frank, and, and that was that. You know, so I, I wasn't I wasn't like you know in bed thinking about what should I do next. I just got the I got the random call. You know, this guy's hood love. You know, who you know that does film? Or oh, I, I know a guy hit him up. You know, and that, that's what that was. You know, so mm-hmm. it it fell into my lap. You know, to say. Word. Now taking taking us back. You know, 1989, you know, what are your memories of it? Prior to, you know, getting that email or whatever, when you hear Yusuf Hawkins, what did the name Yusuf Hawkins mean to you in the last 
40 plus years. Yeah, so, how you know how old I am? So nah, nah, but I, I was, I wasn't, I was in elementary school. I was in, in, uh, 89, I was 12. So that's like the sixth grade. Um, just coming into, you know, I guess seventh grade. I remember doing a current events article by Yusuf Hawkins. Um, I, I mean, I will say that the significance, you know, wasn't in the vacuum, right? So in New York, we had a slew of things that happened since I was like maybe nine. Like, so the one thing that, that stuck out to me was this thing, uh, head of Nussbaum and, and Joel Stomper, you mm -hmm. know, real gruesome story. You know, you had, uh, obviously Michael Griffith, who was, was chased in Howard Beach and just got hit by a car, you know, and um, on, on the expressway. Eleanor Which fast forward, yeah. that, that happened um, a couple years ago on Staten Island. Your brother named uh, Deshaun McKenzie was chased in Staten Island and, you know, and he just had an asthma attack. So that's a little parallel. You know, so back then you had the CP5, which I always remembered Yusef Salam because, um, mm -hmm. How he looked looked like somebody you know one of the older kids around the way, and it was like a, it was like a fly name. Like you know, we didn't really know too many Muslim names back then. And then you know you had uh, you had Yusef Yusef Hawkins. So it was it was really like it's a pile of, of things. And um, at twelve, it doesn't really latch on like that, especially the story that the media told, and especially you know when you're told to write like four or five paragraphs about it. You know, pretty much plagiarizing uh, the, the the disinformation that's in the Daily News or the New York Times, and um, go not go play. You know what I'm yeah, saying yeah. so. You know, ain't no one talking about it. There's no, there's no, no therapy. There's no, no discussion that I know. And so it's just like a memory. You know, it's like Yusef Hawkins, 86 Mets. Like it's just a memory. You know, it's a great memory. And I hadn't known the case. Um, we know jungle fever, you know, do the right thing. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you, you think you know the case, but when doing the film, we wanted to show that, nah, we didn't, we didn't know what was really going on and no one knew what was really going on. And this, this is what, this is what really happened. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad your, your little synopsis of the film, I, I usually have to correct people. I have to correct you because you didn't mention the whole love triangle aspect, which is one of the things that we definitely had to, yeah, yeah. to, to do away with. Me? Like, we had to expose that, that that was just fabricated. Uh, we don't know if the police fabricated it. We don't know if the um, the news fabricated it, but none of the witnesses or the uh, none of the culprits, none of the suspects, no, no, no one said said this. No one said yeah. that uh, said Keith Mandela was dating Gina Feliciano and he was jealous. You so know, just to be clear, just for, I'm going to jump in right now. So our listeners, part, you know, so part of the story was that uh, these young brothers had conned, going to Bensonhurst and this white gang had heard that they were coming to go to the party um, and, and some party of some white girl that they, one of them was supposedly dating. And that's what got them to sort of form their gang um, and await. And the first folks they saw was these uh, three black youth uh, coming to Bensonhurst and they jumped on them. Um, and, and, and started beating him up. And I also wanted to say, and obviously somebody came out and shot Yusef. Um, and I wanted to say too, like, you know, I, in 89, I was 22. And that mm. was the time period of like, you know, flat tops and, mm. and, and folks uh, wearing some medallions and all that kind of stuff. And, but the, and the Yusef Hawkins thing was something that, you know, politicized folks. Um, it was sort of a resurgence of even Al Sharpton giving him some credibility. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the fat man got right. some credibility. It actually did good work. I'm not even going to say he didn't yeah. do good work in terms of what, he's, what, he, what he helped put together to keep those marches going in Bensonhurst. And it exposed, again, before social media, kind of the, 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 how in, embedded the racism and the white supremacy, particularly amongst the white working class and how the political class protected them, right? right. How they did everything they could to say, oh, this wasn't this wasn't really about the neighborhood. Um, this was about these individual folks and so forth. But really, this was was about this, not only the systemic racism of New York City and its public officials, but the way that undercurrent of white racism and white supremacy that we see today right. and what's happening today. So that's not gone. That's still here. 
Right. For me, I was 18, 19, and my uncle had heard about the story, told us about it, and we ended up driving out there to one of the rallies and whatnot. So I didn't know too much about it because of the fact that all we knew that some white boys had jumped the, this, this black kid and they murdered him, you know what I'm saying? And it was like, you know, the, the atmosphere w was hard. We knew who Lenoro Fulani was. We knew Al, we thought Al was a joke that whole time. Al was still Fat Al, he's still a joke. But we knew that, you know, it was that climate. And also one of the things I want to point out, during that particular time period, 89, we're talking about the culture of hip hop becoming more uh, uh, edutainment style. You know what I'm saying? You had X-Clan, mm -hmm. you had Karis Public Wine. Enemy, uh, Lakim Shabazz, and KRS and so Wine. many other yeah. folks that was, uh, you know, that was speaking that truth to power. Matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, I think that uh, Fight the Power either dropped right before that or right after that situation. But I want to say there was right. some inspiration exactly. behind that. You know, around that time period. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah, that that was definitely a uh, fire. Yeah. So, far as you like, what what was your? Uh, you told us about the whole process, um, family and 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 folks from the neighborhood. Um, I'm sure you have encountered, started some type of dialogue. How do they feel about the film right now? Well, I mean, family likes it. Family likes it. Family appreciates it. Uh, the Deuce's friends that were in the film, they, they definitely appreciate it. Uh, and I appreciate them stepping up to the plate because, you know, it isn't easy. You know, we just came out of nowhere. Uh, when we started, it was what, like 27 years later? It's like ring, ring, hello, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, hey, I know you don't know me or you might know this person, but, you know, we trying to do this. So it was a lot of... Um, ripping band-aids off, it was no band-aids, like nothing, nothing, nothing really heals. So that was tough, uh, but they, they like it, right? So now there's the other side of things, right? And uh, you have people that's from Bensonhurst in the film. I'll say that the people from Bensonhurst were more likely to deny or decline participation in the film. A lot of them also are still wounded, you know, in their own way. You know, they, they all think that Joey Farmer was framed. You know, they all still blame Gina Feliciano. Um, we mentioned earlier, she, she actually was a Puerto Rican, Puerto Rican and Italian. You know, it's an interesting tidbit there. Hmm. And so some people aren't happy, you know. I mean, obviously, you know, you, you might have been living a whole different life, you know, which I, I would hope, I would hope anyone 31 years later is living a different life, you know. Right. Um, and here we come, you know, calling and we got a lot of no's. There's some angry people. There's some people who just didn't answer at all. Um, we were only able to get one of you says friends that was there that night out of out of three of them. But you know, again, you gotta respect it. You know, we, we have we have some pretty powerful pieces of the puzzle, you know, in, in this film. Very, very powerful pieces of the puzzle. Um, if you haven't seen it, you know, I'm, I'm about to do a little spoiler. You know, so we had Joey Fama. Joey Fama has been in prison for 32 years. Yeah, like 30, 30, almost 32 years, you know, for the for the crime. So um, now people people aren't all the way happy. That's that's part of the uh, part of the game. It's part of journalism. It's part of doing documentary. You know, yeah, maybe right. if I chose to do like a Burger King documentary, that might not be the case. Yeah, you know, but uh, well, no, that's what, that's what's got to happen. I mean, you got you like you say, you rip the bandaid off, and you expose it, and everybody's not going to be happy with what's underneath it. So we're going to come back right. uh, with another segment to talk more about the documentary Yusuf Hawkins and what he means to the black community when we come back. Renegade culture. Renegade culture. It's written city complex, hella shitty, ain't kidding, and neither am I bullshitting. Slang spitting in the face of all you niggas bitching. This mixing, I'm freaking it like a fool chicken. Flea flicking off the nuts of a roughneck chicken. Slit sticking, yeah, only if it's fit for hitting. Probably like for the sexually transmitting. Glock gripping, yeah, strictly when a crack is tripping. Ain't forgetting, my niggas that reside in Trenton. The loot hitting, the sister Punani hitting. The noise sending, the carjacking, fender bending. The guy body, that five said that ain't sinning. If blood is spilling, another biggest trigger illing. Ain't feeling shit for the blacks and killing. I'm refilling that cracker up in Patterson. Who busted going Lawrence Mars was impacting one. 
What's happening, Renegade Culture? We back again. You know what I'm saying? Kamal K. Franklin. Kamal up here trying to come with the matching shirt, fucking up the program. Oh, here we go. You know what I mean? I don't From know now why. on, before we come to Renegade Culture, make sure you call me and say what color shirt you wear. I think the problem is you just need a wardrobe that consists of more than three t-shirts, and then we'd be good. <laughs> if that was to be the case, then we all good on it. I don't got to call you. Though, yeah, listen, you know what man. I'm See, I, sometimes I be wanting to respond to Kamal, and then I know I'm going to offend entire communities if I say the shit that I want to say. So I'm going to go ahead and fall back and let's let y'all use your guess. imagination as to what the fuck I might say. But let's anyway, get back to our guests. <laughs> we got Victorious DeCostas in the house. What up, Vic? Yeah, what's going on? What's going on? Hey, man. I mean, this is amazing, man. I'm, I'm sitting here interviewing you. We did uh, back in 2011, I think, Victoria set up my, my first book signing in Brooklyn. You know what I'm saying? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, it, yes. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it was a dope joint. You had a lot of good yeah, people. Yeah, it was out. right, right? It's like three yeah. people. Yeah. We had the Air Likes, we had Rebel Diaz, the Welfare Poets. What? They came out for you? Oh, yeah, people fuck with me. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, was, 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 yeah I remember that. I, yeah. I appreciate the photo. You know, bombs looking for. Yeah, 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 yeah. Over at Nicholas, yeah. Yeah, right over Nicholas. Yes, yeah. he don't know nothing about that. He don't, nah, nah, I don't. I, I didn't read your book. He's illiterate. Um, but anyway, um, so <laughs> yeah, let's get back to the to the, the stuff about the documentary. Yes. Um. So you know, so recently, uh, some of the impact of the documentary has been uh, this uh, hot. I think hot ninety seven producer named goes by name Patty Duke recently uh, was re- fired. In a delicate way to say it, because he was supposed to be part of basically the lynch mob that confronted and wind up in the death of, of Yusef Hawkins. Um, but you, I, I think you're going to say something on his role um, based on what your research has been. Miss Cleo's son, I'm going to tell you what you're like, like, I, I don't, I'm just asking. I don't know. I, I, so I don't, I don't know um, Patty Duke. The, the name Patty Duke has not come up in any of my research whatsoever. Uh, Pascal Rauchy. That's how you pronounce his last name. Definitely familiar with that person. You know, I I don't I have no evidence that's the same person. You know, I, I don't I don't know. I seen the pictures, but you know, I, I can't say that's that same person. Yeah. But so all white boys look alike. Uh, but no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, Hot 97 did what they thought that they should do. You know, they they did it. Uh, some would say quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, once once the word got out, you know, once uh, Dallas Penn pretty much um, yeah. put put those two stories together, mm. um, I would I would like to have heard from the individual, you know, himself, but maybe that'll come, you know. Uh, but so Pascal Rauchy was definitely someone that, in court, it was it was uh, said that he definitely did hold a bat. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, therefore, he was a uh, criminal possession of a weapon. I think it was a fourth, fourth degree. Mm-hmm. This is a, supposed to be a misdemeanor. I um, mean, he also was found guilty of illegal imprisonment. And so what the thing is that there's like a misconception. He had 30 guys with bats, you know, and he just like beat them down. And that's not that's not the case. Right. So no one got hit with a bat. Yeah. You know, but and, and not everyone had a bat. It's just that the presence of, of these these uh, young men uh, with the bats kind of kept Yusef and his friends from uh, from moving. So they felt they couldn't go nowhere, you know, and, and that lined them up for the shot. So, so I want to jump he, in. He also the, oh, so let me jump because there was a, there's a very interesting part in the documentary because you interview the one black dude who was with the uh, on the side of the Bensonhurst folks who actually, you know, makes the claim that he brought the bats. Uh, and he said, he, you know, he brought right. the bats because they want to play some, get some, some ball later on. But mm-hmm. it's, I'm interesting, interesting because, you know, he, he still holds kind of like this weird position of, of, of uh, you know, him trying to figure out who he is as a black man, but these protests mm-hmm. were unnecessary and so forth. Uh, what was the deal with interviewing this dude? Well, you know, um... Russell Gibbons was raised in Bentonhurst, mm-hmm. you know, around around those guys. Those guys were his friends. You know, he had he had um, dealt with discrimination, you know, uh, violent, verbally violent discrimination outside of his core friends. But he says those guys that wasn't the case, you know. Um, I respect Russell Gibbons mm-hmm. 
four coming out. It was tough, man. A lot of these interviews were tough. It was tough to to get him to uh to, to sit down in the chair. But he and I spoke for maybe it could have been almost a year beforehand. Mm. You know what I mean? And um his uncle, I'm sorry, my uncle and he went to the same high school, um, which was like my intro, you know, I mean letting him know that that was the, the connection. And I used to live in Sheepshead Bay, which is uh pretty much an Italian neighborhood. So we, you know, we we connected, and you know, I gotta respect that. Uh, he said, you know, I, I was a black kid wanting to be white. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, drop the mic right there, like you know. At the end of the day, we can kick a lying dog. You know what I'm saying? But he done told you what it is. Right. I was a, I was a black kid that that wanted to be white, and anything else, you have to look at it from from that aspect. You know, he's a kidnapped African, just like everybody else. You know what I'm saying? So now, um, in terms of the batch, so so it's funny. One thing that that uh. It's glossed over is that he did he helped Charles Dressler bring the bats from Charles' house, right? Mm-hmm. So we want to be clear, we tell his his you know entire story. The bats were not in Russell's closet, right? Now, mm-hmm. now you know he did help, right? But we don't want to, you know, um, in our haste to hang, oh, yeah. you know, hang, you know, Uncle Tom or whatever, you know, people want to call him. The bats were at Charlie's house, right? And he helped Charlie get the bat. So we ain't gonna just have like Charlie wasn't part of that bat situation. Yeah. So we can diss this guy. Yeah, so um he he said two different things, right? Uh back in eighty nine with the police interview and what he told us, there's like, you know, uh there's a conflict, right, in terms of the purpose of the bats. But in, in the police transcript, he did in fact say that um when Keith Mondello asked him, are you going to come later? Are you going to be there, you know, for me? He said, I don't know. I got a softball game. So, I mean, there was a softball game. There was a place called a dust bowl to play softball. Mm-hmm. Um, but he did admit that the bats in, in, in that moment were, were for self-defense, you know. Yeah. Um, and one thing about Russell, Russell Gibbons, he stayed, he stayed in the yard. You know, first of all, he's 21. So, a lot of these kids are 17, 19. So, he's a little bit older anyway. And he, I think he did the smartest thing, you know, after doing a couple of dumb things, right? He stayed, he stayed in the yard. He didn't, you know, he didn't go, you know, so I, I will say that it is a, a, a myth that there was a black, a black kid with, with the, the mob, mob. Yeah. because that right there is what people use to say it wasn't discriminatory. It wasn't racist. Mm-hmm. So indeed, you know, it's a black kid living in the neighborhood and he, hey man, you know, he had something to do with them bats, right? But there's uh, two things. You know, he was not part of the group yeah. that uh, that uh, illegally imprisoned Yusuf Hawkins, and he damn sure Yusuf Hawkins didn't die by no back. Yeah, right? right. So, and I think also you know, I, to jump in again. I mean, you you guys also did some real powerful interviews with his Yusuf's mother, um, his brothers, and and some of the other the other young cats, and and it and it, it, it sort of showing them in the moment of like all of this sort of political angst and, and sort of rah-rah around their son and, and, and their friends. And this personal moment that they're trying to, you know, they're trying to deal with the grief, but then Yusuf Hawkins becomes much more, you know, he becomes a symbol, again, of racism in New York City and then how, to, how to, the, the political machinations, uh, how that played out, right? So uh, I, I think those interviews were really incredible because they just kind of showed his mom, and, and then they told the backstory of the father and his involvement with the family and or lack of involvement. Now he just came back into the son's life right. to, to sort of try to try to sort of either make amends or just be a part of his kid's life. And then shortly thereafter, you know, Yusef is killed. Um, and obviously you didn't get a chance to interview him because he died a few years ago. But so what was that, that like to get, to get his mom in particular to sort of right. tell that story? So yeah, so we weren't able to get Moses Stewart, but we did have an interview that he did um, a few years later uh, through the All Stars project that Lenora Falani is a part of. Um, when you speak about Yusef being much more, uh, just only in this moment do I do I feel as though he became much less uh, in the movement. You know, he became the symbol. You know, so a lot, a lot of times you know he was dehumanized by by the people who murdered him. But then he was dehumanized more by making him a martyr and making him a symbol. And, you know, one thing that we know is that uh, there, there definitely is a strong, you know, there's a strong argument for once someone does get uh, murdered by the state or, like, say, sanctioned uh, murder, that person no longer belongs to just the family. The person belongs to 
you know, the movement, whatever, right? But mm-hmm. I, I think this film did make him much more, right? It made him much more than a, a symbol. It, it made him much more than a martyr, much more than, you know, than a name. And uh, Muta Ali, the director, really wanted to tell a story about what happens to, to the families after this, you know, after these things happen. And I think he did a great job with that. Uh, Miss Diane Hawkins, she let us interview her twice. You know, she's been down since the beginning. Uh, she didn't really use her voice. She may not have been able to find her voice in 1989, 90, and 91. And, and um, you know, Moses Stewart obviously overpowered the scene. You know, that brother, you know, he was in and out the street. You know, he had some NOI background. So they, they kind of picked the wrong boys, you know, mm-hmm. right. wrong boys, you know, uh, father, you know, basically. Um, I, and even, you know, we have all the, the emotion of Yusuf's family. There's so much power and strength to this day, you know, like there ain't, there ain't, there's no mention of hugging anybody, you know, in this film. There's no mention of forgiving anybody mm-hmm. in this film. And, you know, I mean, it takes a lot of power to hug and forgive as well. But I think this is a, uh, a story of a family we haven't really seen this family before in the media that I can remember. Right. You know, but my first instance of uh, victim speaking out was Rodney King. You know, you know how that turned out. So I, I think you know from then to now, you you've heard a lot of like y'all go y'all go inside now. You know, and you know he wouldn't want this. And mm-hmm. um, I think that one thing to that point is that hey, we don't want to tear up. We ain't gonna tear up New York for in Yusef's name, but we also are, are gonna be, you know, unrelentless. And and the family, you know, they just like any good negotiator, they knew what they wanted, right? They wanted the 30 names. That's what they wanted. And even though Mandela apologized later, you sorry, give me 30 names. Right. Or you know, you have uh Keith Mandela this in time, that's cool, yeah, 29 more. So they they knew what they wanted. They know what they want now to this day, right? Yeah. So uh, even with the, you know, previously mentioned, you know, uh, Pascal Rauchi is just a, is just another another wound, another you know another trauma. It's like, oh, here's a name. It's like, what do we do now? You know, it's just a. I don't know if anyone you know here has lost someone to um, family to violence, but it's, it's no matter how, how long, you know, ago it happened. It's just like it's just like yesterday, especially if you feel so it's, it's unresolved. You know, I got a brother that got murdered, and this goddamn this happened like three years ago, and I, and unwisely I'm on this guy's Facebook looking at all his friends. Like I'm, I'm hating his friends. Like oh you y'all was with him that night and whatever. So same thing with all these thirty names, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think it's it's beautiful to show all their tears, but then all the power that 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 they they still mustered, you know. Um, yeah. And you ain't we ain't seen that. So hopefully you have some. Cause it's it's been to happen a couple more times before we get free, right? Yeah. So hopefully you do see some some people who are parents, who um, can see that, mm-hmm. right? And and if uh, if if that unfortunate jackpot hits their door, yeah. then they maybe can help out a little bit, you know, as, as well as uh, the science of marching, yeah. and you have uh, 29 monsters, right? That wasn't just Al. It was. Uh, Ultimatum, see Bernie Mason, yeah. Oh, yeah. Door Tree, you know, and a wife in there. Yeah. Right, yeah, Sunday Carson, December 12th yeah. movement, you know, so uh, 29, they marched in the snow. I I, I, haven't, I ain't seen that before, you know yeah. what I mean? They were marching in the snow. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know if y'all have, but, um, you know. No, that was the, I mean, that was the, that was, the, that sort of brought all movement forces or organizers together. Right. And I think you're right, you know, that it's, it's always that dilemma between uh, what's personal for the family and what is the bigger issue, because you're talking about something that was indiscriminate, as in that could have happened to any black person, right? Yeah. That's the kind of thing that, right. uh, you know, we, we, people debate about today, you have families, whether or not folks who are quote unquote victims and related to victims should be sort of leading, you know, what should, what is the, the, the cause yeah. Yeah, of the thing? So, yeah. no, I think that's a hotly debated issue. And I, I think your documentary has put the Yousef story, the documentary that you participated in has put Yousef's story uh, back on the map at an important time where black folks are feeling pain, anguish, trying to figure out which way forward. And again, uh, you're right, it's bigger than Al, and it was a whole bunch of different movement activists and organizers and regular people. I mean, regular, Mm -hmm. everyday people who gave up 
uh, their time and energy to say that we need to make sure as much as possible that we could do something to honor this brother by fighting for some sort of justice in a system that doesn't give us justice. So we want to thank you for coming mm -hmm. on. Yeah, we want to say thank also, um, um, one last question. Um, did you all yeah. reach out to Al or any of these other folks? Yeah, I was in the documentary. No, no, I'm talking about as far as being interviewed and all that. Was he interviewed? Yeah, I was interviewed in the documentary. Wait, he didn't see it? Did Kanye not see the documentary? No, I did, I did see it, but I just don't remember Al being interviewed. I, you know, I ain't gonna tell you what I was doing. But anyway, okay, good. You yeah, know what it yeah, was? We interviewed him twice. We no, you know what it was? Actually. Uh, Al was, Al was uh, bobblehead Al now. He was fat Al back then, so that might have threw he me off. He was so skinny you didn't notice that yeah, that was like, Al Sharpton being interviewed. Yeah. I'm like, this rat looked familiar. But, you but think, anyway. Thank our guests for being on. Yes, um, <laughs> for the listeners, check out Yusuf Hawkins, Storm Over Brooklyn. You know what I mean? Same. On HBO right now. Um, I didn't catch it when it played. I caught it on demand. So it is on demand. Definitely check it out. It's a well put together film. And I also want to say, check out uh, Finding Weldon Irving. Uh, Digging for Weldon Irving. Digging, Digging for, for Weldon, Weldon Irving. Irving. That's another serious film. Real dope film. Congratulations, Vic. Good to see you, Thank you. on this Thank piece. We're going to have you back on again. Um, keep doing your thing, man. I'm looking forward to the next project, fam. Peace. All right, yeah, just make sure what comes before and after me ain't like too live, because I, I, you know what I'm saying? You said what now? Band from Hollywood. I don't know what y'all gonna talk about next. I was gonna say whatever whatever they say after I get off, it's probably, it probably is right on, but you know, I, I wouldn't say how they would say it. Peace, thank you, man. You good, right, fam. Renegade culture, we be back. Put me at the end of the joint. <laughs> <laughs> nothing is right, boy, nothing is cool. Oh, the rascal at Snoop Dogg, I try fool. Tell them say I'm Paracelas, see I rule. Media in chat even gets a lot, see I stole. Tell them this is not slavery days. The Babylon lady should not get me praise. Emperor Salas, see I get daily praises. Now you're being fire, I feel blessed. Yo, Renegade Culture, we back with our outro. Yo. My man Kalanji had to skip town, like the cops was at the door, you know what I'm saying? That's another story. Curfew. Curfew, true, his mom's call. <laughs> uh, so we got sitting in the ear doctor. Blah, 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 what's good, what's good? Doing good, man, I'm not used to you sitting down and I, shit like I that. I know, I'm used to being behind a turntable, <laughs> but you know, I was like, sudden I got my peoples here, reality in the building. Reality. Yeah. How you feeling, man? Yeah. All is well, all is well. How y'all? How y'all doing? I want to give him a proper introduction. Oh, well, you, you shouted his name out. <laughs> Listen, we can, my, tell you not a, we can tell you not a professional. I know. That's why I used to be here. <laughs> your shirt's all puffy and shit. I don't know what's <laughs> going on with that, but I'm just saying, fix that, that trainer train ball. Train ball on? <laughs> what's going on here? Oh, all right. Well, first of all, let me, let me give a proper introduction to my peoples right here. Reality, first of all, if you have been watching any type of internet, one of the best web series here in Atlanta is Atlanta's Ugly. He is the writer, the producer, star, all that. And he also came and brought us and blessed us with his business, uh -oh. which is the Bittersweets Herbal, which is very good tonic out here. Why don't you tell us about the Bittersweet yeah. Herbal? Yeah, basically the Bittersweet Herbals are um, three different products I have, three different tonics designed to do specific things. And... Um, you have great results when you take them, you yeah. know what I'm saying? We have a slogan where it's, you know, the you, taste is bitter, but the results are sweet. Like what? What's it supposed to do? You said, I see, I, that part seemed a little bit like you weren't... Yeah, it's, it's, that was just a vague statement, yeah, but yeah. We, we cover a variety of sicknesses and diseases. Okay, okay. You know, just okay. to put it blunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so. And where can we pick this up at? Online, you know what I mean? You could go to bittersweetherbals.com, and that's where you can find the product. Okay. Yeah. How do you even get into this? Well, you know, I'm West Indian, Trinidadian, so it's always been in the blood as far as dealing with the bush, you know what I'm saying? Mm. What really sparked the interest is like early 2000 when I um, seen a lecture on Sabi, and he actually brought in the science mm. into the world of herbs. Because mm. a lot of times growing up, you just hear that the herbs are good, mm. but you don't get into the science of it. And then once I heard him break down the science and I did my investigations, that's when I seen that these things are adequate. It's proven with the actual facts and not just theoretically speaking about it. Mm. Oh, cool, yeah. cool, cool. We're going to the um. We're gonna do the bowl. We're gonna do the bowl question real quick though. <laughs> I gotta ask you about this uh, this web series. What's like season four right now, right? No, nah, we working on season five actually. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We completed season four um, about like six, seven months ago. What's it about? Well, this Atlanta's ugly. It's a hood-based web series. You know, mm -hmm. so, like I said, I've been here for for a minute since like the early '90s, and I've seen a change from. How it used to be somewhat peaceful mm -hmm. to the increase of crime. 
like in Stone Mountain, you ain't never hear about crime in Stone Mountain in the early 90s. Mm -hmm. But now the crime rate is crazy. Mm. Like my neighbor just got shot two days ago. He got hit eight times. Right. Mm. You see what I'm saying? But you ain't hear about that in the 90s like that. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the story of the show is basically covering what goes on in the underworld. Mm -hmm. So when you watch the TV a lot of times, you see, damn, what happened? Why, why he do that? Why he shoot that? But you don't know the stories or the lead-ups to that. Yeah. So the, the web series based on those lead-ups to why these murders take place in our streets. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And, and, and so you said you're going into your fifth or so sixth season? Yeah, we're going into our fifth oh, wow. season, actually. You know, um, and we're just enjoying it right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's a platform for the people to get discovered. They may be seen by some other, you know, producers and stuff like that. And they, work, they can work their way up the ladder. You said it's shedding light on businesses and everything. I'm saying it's dope. Yeah, yeah, Take most definitely. Well, uh, uh oh. Well, here comes, this is this is the bad part of the show. Let me just tell you that right now. <laughs> so my man, the ear doctor, I, I, don't, I usually I talk about you a little further away. You might try to I'm right here, or something so. like that. Oh, <laughs> with, your, with your titties out there, don't scare me, though. Let you know. Um, so, yo, so we got the the ear doctor does uh, Naka's, uh, Naka's nonsense, uh, the, the bold question. So we need you to pick a question, then you're going to read the question. He ain't that literate, so you got to, you know, you're going to have to really make sure you piece these letters together. Um, so you're going to pick the bold question, and you're going to answer it for it. So you're going to mix this around. Okay. You pick any question, anyone you want, I, as long as it's the one of the that you can see in there that's a different color than the rest of it. <laughs> so I'm grabbing the white one, basically. Oh, yeah, whatever you do, man, whatever you do. Oh, there you go. Oh, there you go. You picked that out. Yeah. What's that question telling us? If you could produce a time period movie, what would it be? You struggle with that, right? The reading of it, right? Yeah. Like, yeah Who I told wrote you this? <laughs> Who wrote this, man? Who wrote uh, this together, man? If you could do a time period piece, what period would you talk about? What movie would you do? So when you say a time period, like what, like 80s, 90s, 70s? Like, you can do uh, like the Roaring Twenties. Roaring Twenties, you could do uh, Marcus Garvey, you could do uh, <laughs> yeah, what, yeah. anybody, Mansa Musa. So if I said if I wanted to produce yeah. Yeah. Time like a historical like? figure. And you had all the money in the world, what, where would you do? Oh, we taking it to Egypt. Okay. Right, we taking, right, right. taking it to Kevin. Okay. okay. You know what I mean? Because that's the highlight of black civilization, so we're going we gonna to put that spotlight on that. That's the hotness. That's yeah. the hotness. Probably maybe somebody what I cannot end, uh, you know, Amos first, second, you know, uh, I need a Thutmosis. Thut, mm -hmm. you know. All right. All right. Yeah. What about you? <laughs> I probably am, I'm, I'm a little stuck in the 60s, mm -hmm. so I probably would want to do something. I feel like I'd want to, even though we, we seem to be in this movement moment now, I'd like to do something that really captures particularly like radical movements mm. that doesn't make it feel like it's some cartoon character the way Hollywood does it, but really sort of digs in deep on what people's personalities and politics were um, and even the, the, the troubles that folks face trying to live their day-to-day -day struggles and also try to make movement happen. So I would do something like that. What about you? I would do either Mansa Musa or Hannibal. I would like to see how they conquered the Alps and all that and mm. did his thing to all them Italians. That would be nice. Oh, okay. All right. So when we come back, what's we, gonna happen? We got my man Reality gonna spit some, cause he's also an MC. Let I didn't even mention that. You didn't even we, mention that. He does everything. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the dude <laughs> is on his own series. He's the, the the star of the show, the writer, director. I seen him behind the camera. Mm -hmm. And make tonic. Make tonic. You know what I'm saying? And he's an MC, a dope MC. So we gonna come back and brother Reality <laughs> is going to put it in your reality because you're going to kick some dope lines. We'll be back, That's Renegade right. Culture. Word. I'm living a life, sacrifice paying the price. Out of pot, all I want is a slice. This one little bite, feel my appetite. Seek work, but I'm always denied. Even when I'm clapped up, drinks to the tide. Look in the mirror, ask myself, does I die? Ask God in the sky, but I get no reply. Only dark clouds following high. Covering, hovering by. Suffering makes me stronger inside. They say black lives matter, they lie. No sympathy for white supremacy pride. No empathy for the enemy in disguise. Artillery aim right between both his eyes. For centuries you've been murdering mine. What goes around comes back every time. No reparations, not even a dime. No accountability for your crime. Still like a black like with third of mankind. Smile in my face like everything's fine. Knowing damn well you way out of line. Serve and protect his own in decline. You murderous cops need to reside. Killing young black males in their prime. No nine to five, so we hustle and grind. The love and the hate forever combined. You'd rather see us behind bars and confined. Lock us in jail, affecting our mind. Living in hell and why these designs. It ain't hard to tell, I foretell the time. Forecast the weather, fulfill the sign. 
Tea sunga pace coming on pretty strong. Overcoming this modern day Babylon. Man, shall just not live by bread alone. Man, shall just not live by bread alone. I'm trying to stay strong with the right or wrong. My life is preserved to the day I'm gone. Man, shall just not live by bread alone. Man, shall just not live by bread alone. Tea sunga pace coming on pretty strong. Overcoming this modern day Babylon. Man, shall just not live by bread alone. Man, shall just not live by bread alone. I'm trying to stay strong with the right or wrong. My life is preserved to the day I'm gone. Man, shall just not live by bread alone. Yeah, yeah. Only the strongest survive. The last shall be first to arise. Take it to blicks in the pain of my eyes. The struggle is real off the ashes I fly.